You're listening to the Tech Life Today podcast featuring thoughtful stories and diverse personalities of the alumni, students, and staff of the Northern Alberta Institute of Technology. This is the place to learn and be entertained by people with a passion and a purpose, both inside and outside the classroom. The Tech Life Today podcast is an extension of Tech Life Today, Nate's online magazine. You can find more stories online by visiting techlifetoday.ca or by going to Tech Life Nate on Facebook and Twitter. I'm Liz Pittman. I'm a writer for techlifetoday.ca and the host of this podcast. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Today, in the final episode of our first season, we're talking about pride and being an ally for the LGBTQ2 community. Tim Ira, Nate's Student Diversity and Inclusion Coordinator, and Marnie Panis, who is a two-time Nate grad and activist for transgender rights, will be joining me for the conversation. We'll talk about five years of pride at Nate, how an ally should act, and how privilege can interfere. So before we get started and officially jump into our conversation today, I want to say congratulations to Marnie for being recognized as a global woman of vision. Yay, thank you. For being a fierce advocate, defender of equal rights. How did that feel? It was phenomenal. And I think, you know, when I sat and and listened to all these other amazing stories, I'm glad I got to go first (laughs) and say my speech because hearing these 11 amazing stories, you know, the first woman a commercial pilot, first, you know, firefighter in Western Canada, just, you know, innate, you know, the first um, auto body shop um, uh, instructor. Oh, Cecile from Nate. Yes, yeah. Cecile, right. So we got to become friends. So it was just, uh, it was fun. It was humbling, uh, for sure, but also in- inspiring and empowering and thinking what a great leadership for, uh, for everybody else looking into it. So it was a phenomenal experience. That's wonderful. And we kind of just teased it. But if you want to read more about Marnie's advocacy, you can read our Tech Life Today story, uh, which happens to be one of the most read stories on our website. So just a little plug there. You can find the link to that story in the show notes for this episode. Now we can jump into the conversation we have lots to talk about today. Thank you both for being here. Uh, Tim, I'll start with you. Nate celebrated its fifth annual Pride Week in March. Very Mm. exciting. Uh, A lot of growth with that event. Why is it so important to have that event at Nate? I think it's really important to have uh, a Pride Week here at Nate because oftentimes students are thinking about other things. They're thinking about doing well in class. They're thinking about their next steps in their career. So it's really important to take pause, um, even if it's once a year, to kind of think about the diversity around us, the diversity inside of us, um, and and to really celebrate the fact that we're all connected, uh, that we're all a little bit different, but also that we share a lot of similarities. What do you think that Pride at Nate has accomplished over the last five years? I think we've really been able to start a conversation mm-hmm. Uh, that has allowed us to explore uh, projects and initiatives that make the student experience here uh, more inclusive, uh, which of course allows students to be more successful. We've accomplished so much in the first five. It's been wonderful to to watch it grow. What are you thinking for the next five years? So the next five years for uh, the pride work here happening at Nate, I think will include some projects around uh, self-identification. So allowing students to kind of Uh, update their gender marker, update their names without having to disclose to too many people. Mm -hmm. Um, We also want to loop in more of the community. Nate, of course, is a very active um, institution here in Edmonton, and we really want to connect students to organizations outside of Nate um, so that when they graduate, they have a community already established. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think 
we just want to keep growing the events, make it more fun, make the message of Pride Week really accessible to members of the community and, of course, our allies. Right. So, perfect segue. Thank you for that, Tim. Uh, let's talk about allies, Marnie, and how to be a supportive ally for the LGBTQ community. Saying you're an ally is so much easier than being one. So, from your perspective, what should an ally do? Yeah, well, first off, I'm going to jump off what, what Tim just talked sure. about. When I went to uh, update my transcripts to go into a degree program at a different institution, the hoops that I had to go through back in the day to change my gender marker and having to come out to so many people uh, was a real challenge for me back then. Mm -hmm. So I was able, you know, to hear that makes me happy because that shows Nate as an ally. And that's how we as institutions become ally. Now, what I appreciated what you started with was saying, you know, when, when we call ourselves an ally, we can't call ourselves an ally. No, you know, I think ally is a term that's earned. It's something that happens every single day. Just because we stood up today doesn't mean that you're, you can call yourself an ally tomorrow. It's an ongoing conversation. So I think it's something that the community, uh, that you earn from the community. And that is through uh, an action. To me, allyship is not only a noun, um, but it is also a verb. Mm -hmm. And more importantly, it's a verb. It is the action that happens every single day. And in your, in, in your standing up for each other um, and how you communicate to and about people in our community. And why are those allies so important? Well, you know, for, for many of us in marginalized populations, uh, you know, it's, you know, I've got a voice and, and, I, and I am able to use it, but there are days when I feel that my resiliency is pretty low and I need people to, to help me through that. But for many people in our communities, don't have that voice. And so they need allies to advocate for them, uh, to be able to advocate for services when, when, they, when they can't access them, but also, more importantly, to, to stand up when, when people are hearing hurtful, abusive, offensive language. Uh, it, it, it drains your tank, mm -hmm. right? And sometimes you just don't have the power within to be able to stand up for yourself. And sometimes it's not safe for even for you to do so. So having an ally, uh, you know, take on some of that burden can can help the emotional health of that other person to heal. And so I think, you know, taking on some of those, that, that burden is really powerful. Tim, let's talk about privilege. There are advantages and opportunities that don't always exist in the LGBTQ community due to different types of privilege. What is privilege and why is it important to keep that in mind when having these conversations? So when we think about privilege, I think it's first really important to address our first reaction to that word. I think when we hear the word privilege, we oftentimes think about, you know, someone who is either um, well off and really annoying about it or like a two-year-old child who's stomping their feet. But when we're talking about privilege, when it comes to people and social groups, I think a lot of it has to do with, to me, exemptions. So s things that some people don't have to think about. So for example, when you, Marnie, were, were just talking about um, uh, an LGBTQ2 plus person encountering language that might be hurtful, to someone with privilege, that language might mean nothing. It might be a joke, and oftentimes that's what it's passed off as. But for someone who is part of the LGBTQ plus community that those words can have an incredible amount of hurt, an incredible amount of baggage that's attached to them. Um, so privilege manifests in many different forms. It can be an exemption, like what I talked about. It can be um, advantages that folks don't often experience. So for example, um, people who are like oftentimes like to promote each other or like to befriend each other. So if a group is all alike, they are likely to um, kind of self-promote, really support each other's 
initiatives, but someone who might be a little bit different might struggle within that context uh, solely because of their uh, because of the stigma at- attached to their difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Marnie, do you have anything to add regarding yeah. privilege? No, I think there's so many things there. I think often when people hear the word privilege, I can um, take that as a pejorative or a negative. Privilege isn't that at all. It, it is, you know, we all have different levels of privilege depending on the circles that we're in. Privilege is incredibly contextual. Mm -hmm. And so for me, as a trans woman who, you know, our average income is $15,000 a year despite, you know, having 44% of us having post-secondary education, right? Uh, So that itself shows the lack of privilege that I have in high levels of discrimination in in the workplace, looking for jobs, we're vastly unemployed, underemployed. Our safety, walking down the street, it's something I have to think about every single day. So as a trans person, I've lost a lot of privilege when I've been able to to share my story. However, as a white trans person, as somebody in society who fits what society says a woman should look like in in a very binary world, I carry a lot of privilege. I'm a professional. I've got, you know, uh, my education behind me. I've got access to resources. I've got a great job with great benefits. So in my community, I have a lot of privilege. So to me, privilege is is contextual. Again, in the circles that you're in, privilege is, um, you know, it's not about, we've all gone through stuff. We've all had to go through stuff. Some people have to go through more stuff. So it's not, you know, the stuff that we've gone through, the stuff that we've had to get and go through. Mm-hmm. The other part about privilege is, is it's a phenomenal opportunity for people in the positions of power and privilege. It's not a negative thing. It's what you do with it. And people within those positions of social power and privilege have a phenomenal opportunity to create a better experience for everybody else. And so to me, it can be a very positive thing when, when, when used it. And, and how you use it is when we're at a table like this, when we're at any tables to look around, the first question you ask yourself, and if you're in that position, who's missing at that table? And then making sure that you use your privilege to ensure that that voice is there the next time. Mm-hmm. That's using privilege in a positive way. Um, with conversations about privilege, the term intersectionality often comes up. I would love an explainer of that term. So our listeners are familiar with, with what that means. Intersectionality was really came about in in with uh, people of color and uh, particularly in women and women of color. So that's where the term really uh, started. But intersectionality is when I think about again as a white trans person, then you add color racialization to it, um, non-binary, not fitting in. So all those different intersections can add layers and layers and layers of discrimination, of, of, of harassment, of, of not fitting in in society and all the things that are related to that. So again, it's, it's all the how all those circles intersect in your lives. I think one form of privilege is to um, not see your intersections within yourself. Um, there's been some talk recently about the fact that when one cannot see the diversity within themselves, it's less likely that they're going to be able to see the diversity in the people around them. Mm -hmm. So it's important that folks take some time to reflect on all the different aspects of their identity so they're aware of their positionality and and their power. So for example, I myself, um, as as a member of the LGBTQ2 plus community, um, am of color, Um, But I'm also a cisgender man, so I experience some privilege that way. Um, I practice religion still, and so I experience some privileges when it comes to celebrating holidays or getting time off. Um, And so intersectionality can mean a a lot of different things to different people, but it essentially reinforces that um, each of us 
experiences the world in different ways, interacts with the world in different ways, and that's really powerful. We've talked about Pride at Nate and the five-year anniversary. I'd like to chat about Edmonton Pride. The Edmonton Pride Festival Society announced in April that the Pride Festival was canceled for 2019, citing they could no longer run a Pride Festival without creating further divisions within the community. Uh, Marnie, I'd like to get your thoughts on that decision and where do we go from here? Yeah, I think uh, my heart is breaking. Um, I think we're all bruised. It's it's so um, sad to to experience the, the 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 lateral violence that often happens. And I and I think you know you spoke to it so well, Tim. Within our LGBTQ plus community, we're not a homogeneous group. There, there, we are all so diverse, and all the different goals are are we have all different goals. We're all at different places in in societal acceptance, and because of that, um, it creates. Um, a lot of tension. And really that tension is reflective of the bigger community. Mm-hmm. When you talk about racism and sexism and misogyny and xenophobia, that exists all over the place. The LGBTQ2S community certainly is not immune from that. And so in some ways it's even more profound because it's 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 kind of in, in that bubble that people are watching. So my, my heart is breaking. What, what do we do with that? I, I think there is time that we have to look back again um, with my own privileges, uh, thinking about how does how does this impact me and how does it impact those other views? And I, and I, I tell you, I don't have any easy answers. I'm not sure if there are easy answers right now. Mm-hmm. What I can say is that the LGBTQ2 plus community in Edmonton is incredibly resilient. Um, and I think our communities and, and, and our groups have a history of organizing. Um, and that's so that we could proliferate our narratives. That's so that we could survive. That's so that we could support each other and advocate for change. And I think with this case of Edmonton Pride, it's going to be no different. I think this is an opportunity for leadership within the community to um, to listen um, and to kind of move forward with a Pride Festival that works for um, as many people as possible. And I hazard to say all members of our community because, or I hazard against saying all members of our community, because while that may be the goal, I think that takes a lot of listening. And uh, I hope we can get to a place where we prioritize that. Yeah, and I think, you know, that's that's it to me, right? When in the battle for human rights, um, we don't get there until we all get there. Mm-hmm. And I think as, as, as people, again, going back to the conversations about privilege, and when you know when you attain your position and your power and your privilege in society, and again, that's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of shutting the door behind you, you keep the door open and you pull people through. And that's what we need to have to do for each other. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important. And I think it's going to be really important to go back to the you know to the grassroots again. I think there's been a lot of um, thoughts over the years about the commercialization of pride. Right. And all the other aspects that go into it. So this didn't happen because of, of a conversations that happened this year or this month. Mm-hmm. I think this is, you know, a generation had brought it to this place and maybe we need a bit of a reset. But the fact is they can cancel a parade. They can cancel a festival, but they can't cancel my pride. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm getting married this summer to my, my non-binary partner. We're having this amazing big pride party that we're calling a wedding. Right. <laughs> yeah. So they can't cancel our pride. And I think that's something that we uh, we all own. Yeah. Yeah. And that's one reason for for me to be hopeful is, is is pride has been this movement that originated in the 1970s and 1980s, flowing out of the Stonewall riots, of which this year is the 50th anniversary, um, which was in fact started by trans women of color, um, and that pride has been stewarded, I think, in Edmonton by this society for the past 20 some years, and by other organizations in the past. So now it's just a matter of 
uh, what's next? Mm-hmm. So the two of you have touched on this a little bit within the city of Edmonton, but I want to talk about this province-wide. The recent election seems to have reinforced the idea that for everything that's been gained, there's still a long way to go in Alberta when it comes to inclusion and acceptance. How do we get there after all of the ugliness and negativity? I think we continue to humanize these conversations. And I think having this conversation here is an example of doing that, telling the stories of the impact. Um, you're right. We Again, we don't get there until we all get there. And it takes really having uh, conversations because it's really difficult to discriminate against somebody, to hate somebody who you have emotional connection to. Mm -hmm. And we do that by getting to know each other. We do that by sharing our stories, by creating, using this platform, platforms like this to share stories about people. Um, and, and we, and we are resilient. We, we can't ever let rest on our laurels just because, you know, two years ago we added gender identity, gender expression as protected grounds under a human rights act. Those are words on paper. Yeah. Those mean nothing until we put things into action, until policies are updated and practices. And, you know, those things take a generation for it to happen. So we just can't rest. We can never rest. The vigilance is something that we often talk about, um, in, our training when we work with Nate's staff and and Nate's students because oftentimes the rights that have been won can easily be taken away as mm-hmm. well. And so um, it's a matter of uh, doing what Marnie talked about, making sure that uh, folks are talking, making sure that folks are connecting to, to each other and really understanding each other's experiences. So I think a lot of work has to be done on a personal level. I think there's also some leadership that can be shown by um, by Nate, by the different regulatory colleges that exist within the professions that we um, support here at the school to kind of push that conversation forward. And I think that's so important because we talk, we started this whole conversation talking about what Nate Pride has meant and where we want to go. And I think, it, you know, it is our institutions, our post-secondary institutions have always led the progressive views and really challenged those, those um, uh, more rigid norms throughout history. And Nate has done a great job. And by saying that by our institutions, looking at, you know, how we track our, our students, hosting celebrations, these messages tell a much broader audience more than I could on my own saying that you're welcome here. You belong here. This is part of the social fabric of this province. This is how we're going to educate you. This, this is, is how normal. we do it. This is normal, right? And wh- whatever your normal is, is normal. And I think, you know, that's the power that Nate has is to continue the conversation so that it becomes in the DNA of our, of our society. And it's so that it doesn't matter what government is in power, that it is we as society move forward. Oh, that conversation came full circle, and I think that's a wonderful way to end this episode. Thank you both so much for joining me today uh, for a really powerful conversation. Thank you so much. Always my pleasure. Thank you, Liz. Thanks. Thank you to Tim and Marnie for being part of the final episode of our first season, and thank you for listening to the Tech Life Today podcast. In the show notes for this episode, you'll find related stories, including why we celebrate Pride Week at Nate, looking back on five years of pride at the Polytechnic, and a story about Marnie, which is one of the most popular stories on the site. The Tech Life Today podcast is an extension of Nate's online magazine, Tech Life Today. You can find more stories online by visiting techlifetoday.ca or by going to Tech Life Nate on Facebook and Twitter. If you have feedback you'd like to share about the podcast, please email techlife at nate.ca. Thanks so much for listening. We can't wait to share more Nate stories with you.